Today's show is sponsored by Calamos Investments. Here's Anna DeVlantis with Your Money Matters. Anna DeVlantis in for John Hansen today. I mentioned at the top of the show that NBA star Giannis Antetokounmpo has teamed up with Calamos Investments, the investment firm here locally. And um, it's interesting because they, they they rang the closing bell on Wall Street together just a couple weeks ago. And it was a super cool moment for everybody. Members of the team from Calamos were there. Giannis was there. And you might say, well, well why? Why did that all happen? And it's for a really important reason. April is Financial Literacy Month. And Giannis is part of of a fund. He's teaming up with them for this fund that actually helps fund money for financial literacy in, in a way that also invests money and makes money for folks. So it's a it's a great um, tool. And we'll get into that with Calamos at some point. But right now I'm with John Campbell, Chief Wealth Strategist and Head of Wealth Planning at Calamos Wealth Management. And thank you for being with us, John. It's good to see you. I know. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Financial literacy. Okay. It's something, you know, I just kind of jokingly asked your colleague, what do you tell your kids about it? Because it's something you have to learn, right? At some point, and we're all going to make mistakes in investing. But just to to put a little time and effort into it can make the world of difference in your lifetime. Absolutely, Anna. Um, Make a world of difference in your lifetime, in your kid's life, in the next generation after that. And what we find is that oftentimes in a lot of families, um, there's a discomfort in talking about finances and what it can do and um, the impact that it can have. Um, And so this is the real opportunity with the focus for April being National Financial Literacy Month to really start engaging those conversations. It's interesting. The National um, Financial Literacy Month really started out from a literacy, financial literacy for youth and children and realizing, wow, we need to expand that even further to adults and um, and what have you. So here we are and really mm-hmm. excited to be here. Yeah, you know, it's, it is something I wish we, we learned a little more in our educational system too because it just feels as if you know, it can really pay off or it can really harm you to not know. Perfect example is Giannis. He was very honest about his experiences. He had just made it to the NBA. He sent his first paycheck back home and then got himself into a real bind because he didn't quite understand uh, debit cards and credit cards and having money and not. And and here's his, I think we pulled the clip here, right? We've got him telling that story. I was 18. Uh, I didn't have a driver's license when I came, and I took my first uh, paycheck, so uh, I sent it back home. And I went to the ATM, withdraw money, and yeah. I didn't know my card had a limit. So uh, I went into a cab, and I asked to pay with my card, and he's like, we accept all the cash. And I'm like, okay, I have a game in 30 minutes, so i got to make something happen here. I went to the ATM, I couldn't withdraw money. So I'm like, okay, I have the option. I'm going to wait here, but I'm just going to start running to the to the arena. So I started running to the arena, and thank God somebody saw me in the cold. I didn't have the coat with me, picked me up, uh, and took me to the game. But this is this is this is me. This is a way that I figured everything out: how to open a bank account, how to invest my money, how to get my driving. Like I figured everything out by myself, mm-hmm. and and but. Thank God I had great people around me to mentor me through all this process, and it's been an awesome journey. How about that story, John? Really I'm telling. Totally amazing. Mm. Totally. And, you know, you you just think, okay, here's someone making millions of dollars suddenly and doesn't know that he can't draw out on his debit card. You know, and it's it just, I guess it doesn't occur to you. You know, you really have to learn these lessons. You know, what, where, where's a good place to start or, or what can you tell, um, you know, parents maybe listening about what to do um, to try to teach these lessons or maybe learn them ourselves? No, absolutely. And and I think the importance behind learning these lessons impacts so many areas of our lives, including our retirement savings, savings for that home. And, um, and, and it's very, very 
um, important that when we think about legacy and what we leave, and one of the biggest things that we can leave is knowledge, and it's the things that we can do so well that we can pass on. It's not just the dollars and the cents. So I think you start with having a um, a trusting conversation um, that kind of educates children, the next generation, a little bit in terms of here are some of the basics um, that you will want to consider. You don't just spend first, but maybe manage your spending, manage your debt. Um, and before you start um, putting a lot of money into the investment, maybe you may want to consider setting up an emergency fund to make sure that your basic necessities are taken care of, making the distinction between your wants, your needs, your needs, your wants, and your wishes, as it were. And so the emergency fund will cover the needs, and then you'll get to the wants in terms of the added savings. And then after the added savings, then you've got investment. So it's a disciplined approach towards it that also ensure that um, you want find yourself living month to month because the slightest little thing that might go bump in the night in your life, you've got the resources there, short-term, intermediate, long-term savings. I think those are some of the lessons um, that parents can, can start to impart to their children. We, um, You mentioned retirement, and I do want to get into yes. that because that is one of your specialties. You've got great advice for our listeners on that. And uh, we want to break for traffic and weather, but then we'll get back to John Campbell at Calamos Investments. Americans retiring now are get, going it alone. This is interesting. They're the first generation to rely on private savings instead of straight pensions to navigate retirement and how, what you do and how you do it is so important for you know how you're going to be in terms of stability later in your life and you've broken this up a little bit for us in people who are employees and those who are self-employed you have some advice let's start with the employees uh, if um, um, before starting with the employees, here's some statistics about retirement that I think the listeners will want to know. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, only 58 um, percent of working age baby boomers, those ages um, between 56 and um, 64, have any kind of retirement account. Now, that figure um, is about 56 percent for the next generation. And when you look at Generation X, that figure drops even further um, to roughly about 49.5 um, um, percent for millennials, as well as um, for the Z generation. This is one that's of greatest concern. Only 7.7 percent mm. have any kind of retirement account. So there is a um, a, a challenge in our economy in our country with respect to saving and savings towards retirement. So then in terms of what can be done about it, um, recently the um, Congress and the government and, and the um, president passed um, the SECURE Act and SECURE 2.0 Act to address that. It was the most, it's the biggest overhaul of um, piece of legislation affecting retirees and retirement accounts um, than we had seen in generations. Well, decades before that. Mm -hmm. And in that, what it does is it facilitates savings, makes it more flexible. It pushes out distributions um, for required minimum distributions so that money could stay in place a little bit longer, to grow a little bit longer before um, you have to take it out and then pay taxes on it. Um, so for those who are employees, there are a couple of things that at a minimum they may want to consider. If you work for a company that will match savings set into the qualified plan, at a minimum, at least take advantage of that match. If the company is matching 2%, 3%, 4%, and, um, and you put in that 2 3 or 4%, that's equivalent of almost a 100% return just on that amount of money. And importantly, the money you're setting aside um, into your qualified plan, you're not being taxed on it. Um, so you get a tax deduction, not a tax deduction, but you, you get a tax relief with respect to the money that's going in. So these are the things that enhances and builds your savings. Then if you're older, there's a the catch-up provision as well. Um, if you're over 
age 50, you could put in an extra amount. Currently in qualified plans, $7,500, but that's going to go up to roughly about $10,000 in just a couple of years out there. So these are the tools that we want to be aware of, we want to learn about, and we want to take advantage of. Um, And these are the things that I think that a lot of folks, a lot of individuals surprisingly are not aware of. And if they are aware of it, they're not taking advantage of it. Is that tax-free if you're over 50? Can you put more money out of your paycheck into the retirement, your company retirement account? It depends. If the company has a Roth, then you could put in after-tax dollars into the Roth. If the company has um, does not have a Roth, but just a traditional um, qualified plan, you would put it in not so much tax-free, but pre-tax. Um, so you're not paying taxes. You're not putting it in in terms of after-tax funds. But when you pull it out, it's taxable as ordinary income, which brings up something very, very important, mm-hmm. is that as you think about your retirement, it's important to have more tax-diversified sources of retirement income. This is where, in addition to qualified plans, in addition to your IRAs, it's important to build up a a portfolio of investments that's going to be much more tax aware, um, where maybe it's a blended rate overall. Some may be ordinary income, some may be capital gains, some may be qualified dividends, and some may also be tax-free. And this is where it's important important to work with a qualified um, investment and um, wealth advisor. So are you talking outside of your company's 401k that's to right. have some sort of diversification so that you're not just hit with that income? That's with- right. Interesting. So what would be types of investments that you, t- what would fit in some of those buckets? Well, equity would be one of those buckets. If you hold it for longer than 12 months, um, you're going to get tax on distribution. Um, if you were to sell it, um, you're going to get tax long-term capital gain rate, currently 20%, 15 to 20%, depending upon your tax bracket um, and your earnings, um, versus something that's going to be in just strictly bonds um, that is not um, a muni bond or something that is otherwise tax-free bonds, you're going to be paying ordinary income. So there's a distinction between capital gains income versus ordinary income, which is at the highest um, tax rate, and also the kind of um, income generated from those investments. Interest in tr- income typically are going to be taxable as ordinary income, but qualified long-term, um, qualified dividend will typically be taxed as capital gain type income. So these are the things you want to think about as well as tax-free income and other sources that might generate tax-free income that you can consider. It's not fun to go through this stuff, but luckily we have people like you. But I mean, and, and it is important. This is the thing. You don't want to wake up one day and not have considered these things. So do the homework and listen to what you're saying. I would say um, the other question I had for you is for self-employed. Yes. You don't have a 401k. What do you do? What are your What's your advice for those folks who own a business or self-employed? Yeah. The wonderful thing about self-employed um, individuals and owners of closely held businesses is if you've got very, very few employees, you could actually set up a solo 401k plan that allows you to maximize the amount under the law that you could set aside. Um, you could also consider other type of plan like a um, simplified employee pension plan, a SEP plan, or a different kind of simple plan that's there. And they'll allow you a much greater amount to set aside than your traditional IRAs. So these are the kind of things that um, should be considered, should be looked at. And from that perspective, um, see how that works into your overall um, long-term um, um, retirement needs. Mm-hmm. Um, what else to know about retirement? I know people, you know, this is a moment when you think, okay, make this, yes. make this the time. We're getting some advice here. Let's do something about it, actionable items, anything else you can tell us, John? No, that's a great question. I think one of the areas of, um, I would say, um, misunderstanding about retirement is that once you retire, then it's just a single long continuum. And we don't take it into consideration that for a male, as an example, at the age of 65, the male has about 18 years of life expectancy ahead of him. For a female, age 
65 has roughly about 21 years. So women do live longer than men, which means that at retirement, there's almost 20 years ahead of you. So you think about inflation over that time. You think about rising costs of medical care, lifestyle needs and the like. So it's really helpful sometimes to think about retirement along this continuum, not just in one continuum, but maybe two or three buckets. And the reason for that is that it allows you to allocate money and invest it differently for each one of those segments. So for instance, typically right when someone retires, their lifestyle needs doesn't change. They want to do a lot of traveling. They need access to funds, access to capital, and liquidity is there. And so with that in mind, you can have a bucket for that first five, seven, or 10 years that kind of speak to those needs, available access to money, um, readily available, and you could still have it invested, but you may not have for that little bucket as much in, um, if you will, equity. Now, for the next 10 years, that second bucket, now you're 10 to 15 to 20 years out further before you need those funds. That gives you greater optionality in terms of looking at equity investments. And when you do it with a longer view in mind, you're less inclined to think about current market volatility, what's going on today or what's going on this month, because you've got a longer view. And with the longer view, in fact, not only are you making prudent decision over the long view, but you're also taking advantage of opportunities that might arise because maybe certain companies you're interested in investing in may not be, um, if you will, they might have had a discount in their valuation, which allows you then to take a look at your portfolio with intentionality and, and not just run amok as it were um, in terms of behavior finance in the herd mentality just mm-hmm. out of fear. Um, so this discipline approach will help. And then, of course, you've got your third bucket. Now you're in the third bucket. You're looking at how do I invest for 80, you know, age 80 and longer. This is where you start integrating legacy planning and integration with your estate planning to feel the things. But by framing it in these three buckets, it allows you to have something more immediate short term over the next five to 10 years and, um, and then longer term and then develop an asset allocation that reflects each one of those time horizons and each one of those needs giving you risk um, tolerance, of course. Yeah, it requires a lot of planning to get where you need to get, and you're laying it out perfectly and totally understandably. What about tax implications? I know that's something else you work with your clients um, at Calamos. What, anything we should know, some new things that have come up that we need to have on our radar? Yeah, no, absolutely. So from a tax standpoint, I think the one thing to recognize, um, as we mentioned earlier, to the extent you could be more tax aware and integrate taxing, taxes with your overall planning, because it's not just what you earn, but it's what you keep at the end of the day. That's going to be very important. But there's one thing that I would have the listeners remind themselves of and think about, and that is under the current tax law, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, that was put in place, that will sunset come December 31st of 2025. Come January 1st of 2026, we go back to the old regime, pre-2017. And at that point, especially if any of your listeners have significant business interests, real estate interests, significant wealth that they want to pass on, at that time, the exemption amount that allows you to pass up this year, $12.9 million, uh, will likely be cut in half or somewhere there about adjusted for um, inflation, which means it's very, very important proactively today, while the window is still there, to take advantage of the large exemption amount to pass on more wealth for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff to think about, John, and thank you for your insights today. We really appreciate you being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.